race fans, it's time for the most famous words in motorsports. Here to give the command, please welcome your co-grand marshals, Bud Moore, Ned Jarrett, Bobby Allison, David Pearson, Richie Petty, Timmy Petty, and Mark Petty. Gentlemen, All right, engines of fire, another episode of the XP Podcast, ready to go, Tyler Head, Dalton Mullinex. With you as always, six races through the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs, just now four races remain before we crown a champion, and we come off another weekend, and I, I really don't even know how to approach what we saw at the Roble, because it's just a, a mixed bag of, of good and bad, exciting and boring, like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. You know, I feel like the theme over the past like three to four weeks has been we spend the first 10, 15 minutes of the podcast talking about all that went wrong. A lot of it's stuff that's not even on the track. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's just, it's, it's been a rough four to six weeks for NASCAR. Well, for these last two weeks, at least, we haven't had any major safety issues, at least in the Cup Series. So that, part is good but what we saw on sunday for the first 104 of 109 laps was a overall relatively boring race to the point where i think it was in stage two dale jr in the booth straight out said yeah once these guys get single fire you are not going to be able to pass anybody which i can't imagine the people at nbc and nascar were too happy with his honest very true observation of what we'd seen at that point in the race but he was absolutely spot on because once these guys got strung out outside of the pit cycles and stuff, nobody was really making any passes. No, and it wasn't like it, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, well, there weren't, you know, that many passes for lead, but then they're passing all throughout the field. Yeah. You weren't, per- you weren't passing throughout the field either. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not just the not passing either. One thing that's become a staple of road course racing is guys making mistakes, guys spinning out, getting off into the grass and making contact. We saw almost none of that until the very end of the race on Sunday. And, you know, I appreciate the fact that NASCAR is very lenient when it comes to cautions at road courses, because, you know, we don't need to be wasting caution laps because somebody spun off into the grass and got back going again. But again, we, we weren't even seeing guys making mistakes outside of blowing a chicane here and there. Um, it, it's, it's gotten to the point where these cars are, unfortunately seem too easy to drive on road courses because they have so much grip the brakes are so much better the horsepower is a little bit lower like essentially nascar's created its own version of an imsa car which again are made to drive on road courses that we've kind of lost that charm and i remember somebody talking about this last year before the next gen made its debut like one of the beauties of nascar on road courses for the longest time is you had these big heavy stock cars with little brakes that weren't designed to go right and left and make these hard, you know, sharp 90 degree turns. And that's what, you know, created a lot of the chaos. We've kind of lost that in the cup series and outside of really the finish at road America, not road America, Coda back in the spring, there haven't been too many moments at the road courses this year, outside of the, you know, you know, what show at the Indy road course. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. It's one of those that, you know, you, all these different changes that they've made to this next gen car that you just rattled off, you know, add in the wider tire where you have more grip and, mm-hmm. and there's just the opportunity to make hay on these tracks is not there. Yeah. It, it's not, you know, you can't, 
you can't force your way through. Again, you don't make mistakes. And my thing's like, look, I don't want guys spinning out left and right, but we, we've talked about it since the day we started this podcast that we want to see the best drivers in the world have a handful with their car. Yeah. You know, and like on road courses, unless you have power steering problems like Daniel Suarez did yesterday, it didn't look like a handful for many of those guys. And that to me told kind of told me how little was actually going on throughout the field that they locked in on his power steering issues for a good 10 to 12 laps, like in our camera, like analysis of his steering wheel vibrating. Like they were, that was all they had to latch onto at that point, I guess. But it's like, man, is there really nothing else happening? And you look at the leaderboard at that point in time and it was, you know, Chase Elliott, AJ Allmendinger, and Tyler Reddick running three seconds apart each up at the front, and, you know, nothing else happening throughout the field either. Yeah. Yeah, it was just – and that's the thing. The only – you know, in that final stage, the only excitement, you know, before they threw the caution with five to go was who was going to come out, you know, as the leader of, after green flag pit stops. Yeah, which I still don't understand why the 16 and AJ Allmendinger waited as long as they did. Obviously, that's a team that's not in the championship, not running for – anything full-time you know a jump is obviously in the xfinity series full-time it's like why you, you knew tires were actually worth something why wait and put yourself behind the eight ball and again with passing being so hard you put yourself a couple seconds behind chase elliott you're not going to get back around him and unfortunately that cost him the race dave latart was ready to fight somebody up there he was he was frustrated yeah um yeah i don't, I don't understand that at all uh, it certainly looked like chase elliott had Yet another win in hand. He had a four-second lead when that questionable caution for a sign on the racetrack in the infield carousel comes out with six to go. And you know, at the moment, it's understandable. It's like, oh, yeah, there's something on the racetrack. Obviously, you want to get it out there. But then we're seeing these reports like, well, it had been out there for like 30 laps. It was out of the racing group. Like, did we need to throw that caution? Was it Was it – for, for entertainment purposes, are we trying to spice things up, make an exciting into a boring race? I don't know, um, but it's raised a lot of questions uh, since it happened. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, you know, have, have we not have had that? You know, Chase goes on to win. Mm-hmm. You know, five more playoff points for him. Kyle Larson, he advances in the playoffs. You know, maybe Austin Sendrick has a chance to get up. It's just... That completely changed. You know, Christopher Bell doesn't win. Yeah. You know, so he doesn't advance. Um, you know, there's just a lot of, of implications that um, because of that caution, you know, mm-hmm. set up what I consider just nonsense at the end. You know, guys just driving over their head. and you, You've got wrecks and you've got overtime and, you know, you've got teammates pulling for teammates and it just – it just got again. It was a boring race. I think like probably ninety five percent of the people can attest to the fact it was a boring race. Right. But I didn't like the fact that it turned into a wreck fest at the end. Just we're gonna drive through everybody just to get to the front. That that just I, that that gets on my nerves. But at the same time, I completely understand why the drivers are doing that because again, you get single file. You're not gonna yeah. be able to pass these guys. Like okay, exactly. I'm gonna take them three wide into this turn in the infield carousel because if they get ahead of me. I'm not going to be able to get around him again. And, you know, I don't think Tyler Reddick intentionally spun Chase Elliott. He held his line and knew if I let the nine in front of me, I'm not going to get back by him. And, of course, in Reddick's mind, the only thing he's worried about is the win at that point. So that's just kind of one of those racing incidents. Um, But, yeah, a litany of things go wrong. 
um, you know, Kyle Larson, and I went back and watched the end of the race last night. He, with 10 laps to go, he was plus 28, sitting like third overall in the standings and a slight tap of the wall and the little part where they go back onto the main oval breaks one of the rear upper control arms and that, I mean, he was able to finish the race, obviously, but off the lead lap, not in control of his own destiny anymore. And Chase Briscoe, give him credit, took advantage of the situation and got into the round of eight by the skin of his teeth. And now the defending champion is not running for a championship anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, he, he admitted after the fact that he had made some mistakes in the car and made plenty of mistakes all year long. And, and it hasn't been as dominant of a season as it was last year. But, you know, a guy that going into the race, we thought for sure, yeah. you know, like you said, 10 laps to go. You're like, there's no way he doesn't advance on to the next round. And then chaos ensues and he's out by a couple of points. But you know what's funny about that? He is still in the round of eight in the owner's championship. So yeah. technically, Kyle Larson could win the owner's championship without winning the driver's championship, Ryan Blaney could technically win the overall championship without winning a race. And uh, that would just be the ultimate chaos that would kind of sum up how the season's gone. Yeah, for real. So just, I don't know that so much to unpack from the end of that race. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the fact that Chris Bell won the race, which yeah. talked about a clutch performance. Cause he, he was one of the, he was the only guy, obviously Alex Bowman, wasn't racing because of his concussion, so he was already out. Christopher Bell was the only guy that knew going into Sunday, I have to win this race if I want to advance. And he ran very well, running up in the top 10, top five most of the day, but he did not show that like race winning, race leading speed. Again, obviously it was hard to pass, so maybe that was masked a little bit, but I give credit to his team because when that late caution came out, they said, we're putting on tires, we're going to give ourselves the best chance, and he sure enough went up there, drove, got the victory and now he's jumped himself into the round of eight hadn't had the best round first round out of anybody has a disastrous second round including wrecking out at texas a couple weeks ago and in a in a situation similar to i compare it to like brad keselowski in the first playoffs in 2014 at talladega his back was up against the wall and his only option was to win and he went out there and did it yeah yeah and you know that's the thing is with Ten to go again. That just you, you. There was no chance. You know, mm -hmm. man, Chris Bell misses the playoffs. You know, advancing the round of eight again. Blah blah blah. And now it's like he's one win away from they put himself in the championship four. Yeah, and it's been you know now with two victories, he's had a very good, very consistent season. Obviously, so mm -hmm. I mean, is he the the, the co favorite for the championship right now behind Chase Elliott? I I, I don't really know. It, it's so hard to to read these things on a week to week basis. Cause it just, it changes so much week to week. Right. So I don't know. I, I still hold the belief that we're going to be in for a very surprising champion and maybe even a really surprising final four. Nobody had Chase Briscoe making the round of eight, obviously. And yeah. that's a team that you know, give them credit. They found a way to make things happen in the playoffs. They should not have gotten a top five at Texas a couple weeks ago. They had about a 20th place car, played some strategy at the end got away with a good finish there, finished well at Talladega last week, and then you know, took advantage of their opportunity on Sunday and got the points that they needed at the very end of the race to advance themselves past last year's champion. Yeah, if you'd have told me beginning of the playoffs, only one Stuart Haas car made it the round of eight, there's no way 
I'd have told you it'd been the 14. And again, when you look at it, if he could find a way to get himself to Phoenix, he won the freaking race there in the spring. Are we prepared for a Chase Briscoe, who's not even in the top 10 in just straight up points on the season? Are we are we prepared for somebody like that to win the championship? I mean, I think we are. I think the NASCAR purists, though, would have very big issues. Well, and 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 for me, look, I've said this many times, is the playoff system the best way to decide a champion? It's not. Obviously, points for an overall season is the best way to do it. It always has been. I still try to invest into the playoffs and enjoy them for what they are because, again, this is our format you know, similar to the March Madness or the college football playoff, like, okay, if this is how you tell me my team has to win a championship, I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to enjoy it for what it is. But this year it's just been so dang hard because yeah. it's been so random and we've seen so many issues and problems with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's again, not perfect, but it's what we got to live with right now. And for Chase Briscoe and that 14 team, their their mindset going into this race changed in the middle of the week because we came away from Talladega last week thinking Chase Briscoe's right on the cut line. I think he and Centric were tied like at zero points and Centric had the tiebreaker or something like that. And then William Byron wins his appeal from Texas, the 25-point penalty, $100,000. They still kept the money fine, took the penalty away. So literally just days before this elimination race, Byron goes from I think it was like – 11 points out to like 14 points in like I've never seen anything like this happen before and when you're looking at the 14 team again just days away from this big elimination race your entire mindset and how you approach this race changes because suddenly you had to make up 12 points yeah yeah well that's the thing is you know you find out you know in the middle like you said the middle of the week that oh crap we're not we're not the cut line we're below it yes and it changed the strategy and um just again like something that we don't see much of is these penalties being overturned but it happened and i guess my biggest problem with it is that it's overturned a week and a half later like we ran a whole nother race at talladega and when you think about it the way that chase briscoe austin cindric even william byron ran their race at talladega was based on him having that 25 point penalty so if this gets resolved last week before Talladega, everybody races that race differently. I don't right. like the fact that we are two races separated from the penalty and it gets overturned like that. And again, I don't know what goes into the process with the appeals panel because it's a separate entity from NASCAR. But if we're going to do this, we got to find a way to get it done before the next race because I don't like doing yeah. it a week and a half later. Yeah, it needs to be an expedited process, and it should be resolved before you go to the track the next week. But when you talk about teams winning appeals, we've seen it happen several times this year over the course yeah. of the you know the top three series. Which, in in my recent memory, I, I don't recall that happening. No, no. And I can't imagine NASCAR is too thrilled about losing that appeal, especially given oh. that the fact that they had to enforce this penalty because they screwed up scoring it in the race to begin with. Well, and then they had to go back and change the rule book. Yes, they did. So when you think about it, when you think about it, when it's all said and done, Denny Hamlin is the one that got spun. Denny Hamlin is the one that had to restart at the back of the field. Denny Hamlin is the only one that actually suffered any significant penalty from this. And he was on the receiving end of the whole thing. 
Yeah, he was just bas- they was basically just like, well, good luck, Denny. Get him this week. Yeah, which you know the the eleven team advanced to the round of eight as well, so that's not as big of a story as it could have been. But man, you want to talk about a, a something that could have been a big deal if it went the other way? Yeah. Speaking of things going the other way, I thought it was now the the last caution was warranted because uh, we have the sign caution that set up green, that set up the the um, next last caution. Then Kevin Harvick is leading this race on the first green white checkered. If there's anybody in the garage that NASCAR did not want to see go to victory lane on Sunday, it was definitely the four team because let's face it, there was a very coincidental penalty that got handed down to that team following Talladega. <laughs> that was, yeah. That that was a good way to put it because it Rodney Childers wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It was just gonna there is no telling what would have happened had Kevin got out of the car and won that race. He I think he would have popped off. And he didn't get a post race <clears throat> interview either through the, no. the post race show NASCAR America post race show. Nobody talked to Kevin Harvick and I think there were some orders from the very top to make sure that didn't happen. Yeah. Because uh, it's 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 a little more than convenient that the most vocal critic of NASCAR through these entire playoffs, already eliminated by the way, uh, just got hit with one of the biggest fines of the of the whole season. Yeah, that that little ticky tacky stuff is just frustrating. Yeah, which you know, in my mind, is that NASCAR's way of saying, "Look, guys, we know things aren't going well right now, but let's let's reel it in a little bit. Let's not be." so vocal which and i think you know you look at um you know denny hamlin made some pretty pointed comments earlier on in the week about nascar needing new leadership change when he got to the track on friday and saturday during his media availability he was like well that's not exactly what i meant i actually meant this this and that um which we know you know nascar's had some meetings with the drivers and stuff in regards to safety and i imagine they're probably saying hey guys let's cool it down we don't need to we don't need y'all making us look this bad we're already dealing with enough yeah, well, we but the drivers from the driver's aspect, we need change. Yeah, and look, I love the fact that the drivers speaking out because for so many years it's been this tight-lipped, put a smile on, everything's great. You know, NASCAR's doing this, this, and that. We're having issues. Guys are getting hurt. We could realistically have one of these guys in the round of eight not make it to Phoenix because of a concussion because we're running mile and a half the next two weeks. Like things obviously need to change, and I'm glad the drivers are not afraid to speak out about it. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we head into the round of eight, which is going to be Vegas, Homestead, and Martinsville. And your final eight drivers are Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, and uh, Chase Briscoe. Again, not the final eight that we were expecting, but uh, definitely a little bit of a mixed bag. And I don't know what to make of these next couple of weeks. Well, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. It's the the final two races of the year that are just kind of like, uh-oh. I am looking forward to the next two weeks at Las Vegas and Homestead, but I'm also very, very worried because we're taking the exact same tire there. They ran at Texas a couple weeks ago, and, you know, the last thing I want to see is two more weeks of this tire roulette where, you know, half the chase, half the playoff drivers get taken out because – they put too much load on it into three and four or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if the playoff drivers are a little bit more hesitant to, to, to toe the line a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. 
uh, jumper over the Xfinity series. They had their race on Saturday and he's four for four at the Roval. Uh, did, did, I think I picked him last week, didn't I? Yeah. Yes. So another, another victory for me, AJ Allmendinger, king of the road. I will say Gibbs gave him a good fight throughout the entire race, but on that late restart, my money's going to be on Allmendinger, and he pulled off yet another win, and he's putting himself in very good position to maybe capture his first Xfinity Series championship. It's been a good week to be AJ Allmendinger. Mm-hmm. It's been a really good week. Which, when you think about it, you know, for next year, you're going to lose Almendinger, you're going to lose Gregson, you're probably going to lose Ty Gibbs as well. I mean, the, the Xfinity series is going to feel like a clean slate next year. Justin Algar, it's time to shine. Maybe. we. I feel like we say that every time a new crop goes to the Cup Series and he still hasn't been able to close the deal and get a championship. Well, we said it after the big three of, of Custer, Briscoe, and – Reddick left a few years ago that oh my gosh it's Justin Agar's field and well it hadn't been yet fortunately not uh, the Xfinity series also trimmed down their playoffs from 12 to 8 the eight drivers remaining are no Gregson AJ Allmendinger Gibbs Allgaier Barry Hill Brandon Jones and Sam Mayer drivers getting eliminated this past weekend Ryan Sieg Daniel Hemrick Riley Herbst and Jeremy Clements so when you talk about the top two series both of last year's series champions get eliminated at the Roval, both having issues. Daniel Hemrick got caught up in, tr- in some trouble earlier in the um, race on Saturday. And, of course, uh, Kyle Larson having his issues late on Sunday. Yeah, Hemrick's not all that surprising. It's it's more surprising he won the championship last year. Um, obviously, Larson's is a lot more surprising because he'd had a solid season and you, you really thought that he'd be a championship contender. Which, and we'll kind of transition to our news here, the, the one good thing I heard for Daniel Hemrick this week is that he's going to be back at college racing in 2023. When you look at his past four to five seasons, he's been with a new team every single year. He went from Xfinity RCR to Xfinity Cup to being out of Cup to driving for JRM for a season in a limited role to then going to Joe Gibbs Racing, winning the championship, obviously. Now to college racing, he's been flip-flopping around so much Having two seasons at the same team, I think, is going to do wonders for him. Well, and it's just he seems to really fit in there yes. at college. Um, you know, it's good to know he'll be back. And, you know, Landon Castle is going to be back next year. They're going to bring in Chandler Smith and add him to the fold as well. So they'll have a they'll have an interesting lineup for sure. You know, a couple veterans and then the youngster. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of, you know, trio they form next year. Chandler Smith, that's another driver out of the Toyota pipeline as they're still trying to figure out what the deal is going to be with their development program as KVM transitions over to Chevrolet. So these parts and pieces slowly drifting away. Uh, I mean, it's just another one, you know, whether Chandler Smith goes on to be a, a champion in the sport or whatever, it's just, you know, Toyota continues to invest, you know, millions of dollars into these kids just to watch them go elsewhere. Uh, one thing, we didn't dive too much into it from the Cup Series race. The the move on the last lap with Cole Custer conceding a spot to Chase Briscoe and by the looks of it, holding up Austin Dillon to ensure that Briscoe got enough points to make it through the next round. A lot of people pointed this out. NASCAR says they were going to take a look at it. I don't expect much to come of this. This is certainly not a spin gate scenario. I, I can understand why NASCAR is at least going to look at it, but I don't expect any 
hard hammer fines or anything like that coming down. This was just a situation of a teammate helping out another teammate. I don't really didn't really see anything egregious with it. No, and like we've seen it. I mean, we've seen it in the past year and a half with, you know, go back to last year when Joey Logano held up Kyle Larson Atlanta last fall. Mm-hmm. Chase Elliott held up Kevin Harvick and Kyle Larson went on to win. And I mean, that, that's part of the race that I, I don't necessarily love it. Um, Cause my thing is I just want to see the best cars duke it out and, you know, let the best man win. But it's one of those, it happened. Austin Dillon could have ran through Cole Custer. Sure. Um, like you said, before we started recording, you could have hooked a left, could have wrecked Briscoe. I mean, it was, it was risky on Custer's part, but I don't like, I don't think there should be any monetary fine points fine i don't think you should have to sit out the rest of the season or anything crazy like that i don't love it but it's not something that's just so egregious that it needs to you need to sound the alarms for yeah and it was no more egregious than tyler reddick basically saying i'm going to push austin dylan to the win at daytona i'm not even going to think about trying to pass him like it's teammate helping a teammate to at that point get into the playoffs at this point help your teammate advance in the playoffs i don't have a problem with it again i don't I don't think we're going to have a spin gate scenario come out of this. I agree. So now we move on to the round of eight, Vegas Homestead and Martinsville. I'm so excited we get to go back to a mile and a half. Tire issues aside, mile and a half put on great shows this year. We had a great race at Vegas this spring, and now we get to kind of piece together our final four. Um, Again, surprising, a few surprising names in the round of eight. So who do you have making it to Phoenix? So in my final four, uh, let me pull my list up here. Uh, I think Chase will. He's he's just got a huge points lead on the field, yeah. and um, you know we we've seen he's had issues in the first two rounds of the playoffs, and you know it'd be harder to survive that going into this round. Um, his best season yet, so I'm gonna put him in there. Um, Denny sounded really confident after the race Sunday, so I'm gonna throw him in there. Um, I'm going to put Blaney in my final four as well. Um, and, and kind of my, I wouldn't call it a wild card. Um, but William Byron, I think he's going to win one of these next three races. Okay. I think that's a fair point. I'm actually going to agree with you on one of those points there. Um, so I also have Chase making the final four again. He's been the best driver this entire season. It would be a crime if he wasn't racing for a championship at Phoenix. Uh, I like Ryan Blaney. Obviously hasn't won a race, but still ridiculously consistent. Come keeps yeah. close week in and week out. I like William Byron as well. I also think he's going to win one of these next couple races. And, and again, he's kind of been flying under the radar. Got his wins earlier on in the season, but has been running consistently. My last one's actually going to be Joey Logano. That despite the fact that he's not been in contention for wins necessarily, he still finds a way to run in the top ten to get stage points like he's just always around and you know he might be the dark horse pick for the championship because when you look at his wins earlier on in the season at Darlington and at Gateway nobody was expecting him to go into those races and win and then he right. just showed up and had speed and I feel like Phoenix being a very similar track to Gateway Joe Logano might be the champion that we're not talking about could be yeah very well could be so uh, uh, you have a, a Penske versus Hendrick final yes. four which, you know, given the past couple of years, it kind of been Joe Gibbs racing versus, uh, you know, Hendrick that changes it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. The only reason I didn't pick one of the Toyotas, again, particularly looking at what we have this weekend and, and uh, next weekend at Homestead, they had a 
I think they had so many issues with the tires at Texas. Yeah. Is that a camber thing? Is that a setup thing? I don't know, but I feel like Hamlin and Bell are going to be very susceptible to having issues over these next two weeks. Yeah, very well could. So we'll see what happens there. All right, with that, now that we've made our final four picks, we get to our selections for this weekend coming up at Las Vegas. Only the Cup and Xfinity Series going to be in action, and driver in the final eight in either one of these series wins this weekend. Obviously, they lock themselves into the final four at Phoenix. So we go with the Xfinity Series on Saturday. Do we see somebody lock themselves in to Phoenix this weekend? I think we're going to see it in both series this weekend. Right. So I'll start out with any series. I think Josh Berry is the guy to beat this weekend. Yeah, Josh Berry, it's kind of been a quiet summer for him. Started off the season, obviously, with a couple wins early on in the spring. But a little bit of a, a lull uh, through the summer months as we started the playoffs. But he's been running well. Uh, currently does find himself the first driver out, minus 11. But obviously, again, a win this weekend would uh, – put him in the championship for it. Interesting thing that I was looking at as we were, uh, you know, get, getting ready to finish up here in the Xfinity series, there has been one win by a non Chevy driver in the past three months. And that was Ty Gibbs win at uh, Michigan uh, back in August. Yeah. It's been a dominant season for Chevy. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick in the Chevy camp as well, in the JRM camp too. Uh, he's been off these past two couple weeks because he hasn't won, but I think Noah Gregson get, gets back on track and puts another statement on what I think is going to be a championship season for him by winning in his hometown of Las Vegas. Could you imagine the party if he won? Oh, my goodness. I mean, the, the party, would he throw up more if he won at Vegas? I feel, maybe maybe uh, that, that's the case. 100%. 100%. Yeah, definitely for him, that'd be a, a big deal. Um, you know, I, I've I've been interested to see how running the 48 car every single week has affected him on the Xfinity Series side, and I really think it has. Now, again, you know, as he's said, he's probably not giving 100% to the cup car because he doesn't obviously want to – get himself hurt, but he still seems to be running just fine on the Xfinity Series side. So uh, right now, he's my pick for the championship. Yeah, good one. To Sunday we go, and uh, after starting off the first half of the playoffs with no playoff drivers winning, the last two races, Chase Elliott and uh, Christopher Bell, obviously locking themselves into the next round with those wins. Do we see the trend continue, and do we see somebody lock themselves into the Final Four? We do, and he's going to win his first race of the year the best time possible, Ryan Blaney. Okay. Into the final four. Vegas is a very good track for Ryan Blaney. Really, all these mile and a half are good for him. Yeah. And uh, he's running extremely, extremely well everywhere this year. Just hasn't been able to get that victory when it counts, at least on the points paying side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to go back to the trend of what we had to start the playoffs and go with an outsider who just won a couple weeks ago. He showed great speed this past weekend again at the Roval. I think he's due for maybe one or two more wins before the year's over and probably his time at RCR as well. I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick picking up his third win. Or actually, yeah, would, excuse me. Yeah, would be in contention, obviously. And, uh, man, just I love chaos, obviously, and I would just love to see Tyler Reddick win one of these last four races and then get booted from RCR and go to 2311 a year early. Yeah, would be uh, development for sure. It would just and you know I don't blame our I don't blame Richard Childress for being mad, but it'd be a really bad look if you're giving this but guy the boot after potentially winning four or five races. Yeah. So yeah. Um, 
Well, that's it for the Roval recap. Hopefully we have a good event list from a, you know, a um, chaos standpoint this weekend with tires or whatever, the, the car failing. Hopefully we just have a good competitive race at a good racetrack. And that's Thank what we're going to be talking about next week. I hope so. Me too. So with that, we head off to Vegas and uh, see if anybody can lock themselves in the final four. And then it's off to Homestead as we trickle closer and closer to the end of the season, less than a month to go now till we're mm-hmm. who the champions are. It's hard to believe. Absolutely. So with Dalton Mullinax, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.